What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. As always, I'm Dr. Sean. I'm going to be your host. Today, again, we're joined by the Motley crew, Dr. Jeremy, Dr. Mike for a little bit, and uh, Dr. Jeremy's son, Hendrix. There he is. Say it again, Hendrix. Say hi. There he is. The most intelligent one-year-old on the planet contributes to today's episode. <laughs> He's contributing to the podcast. So every once in a while, you might hear a cookie box crumble in the background. You might hear a bar slam. You might hear some Poland spring bottles get clanked together. He's working on his carries. But you're going to get some real actionable, tactical knowledge that you guys can take from this podcast and apply immediately to the athletes you work with, to the affiliate that you're in, or to yourself to improve the way you move and the way you train. Here we go. All right, we got the crew back together. What, what do they say? The band is back together again? Get the band back together. I'd like to get the band together more often. This is good. I like these kinds of episodes. So this is going to be what I like to call a triple P. That's a pen and paper podcast. So if you're listening to this and you really want to improve yourself, make sure that you actually have a pen and paper with you because we're going to take you step by step on how to improve yourself in your fitness. This is a fitness-based, how to get more fit with less pain, fast episode. We're going to take you through a step-by-step evaluation process so you can help yourself and you can start making moves in the right direction. Before we do that, we're going to spell out for you guys why this is so important. Right. So I'm joined by Dr. Jeremy, I'm joined by Dr. Mike, and we got plenty to talk about today. So, Jeremy, why don't you kind of kick it off with the idea of why most people's programs, well, I shouldn't say most, why most people who are experiencing pain from their fitness are on a program that is not working for them, mm-hmm. right? It, it might be designed extremely well, right? but what I like to say is a well-rounded program is a problem for someone who needs a corner. Correct. So, yeah, I think I think you, you hit it on the head there with the, with the setup um, that... Um, people who are, you know, experiencing some sort of musculoskeletal pain, um, it's recurrent, it's chronic, um, and, and they're starting to look at their program. It's, it's less about the program, um, because the program is probably pretty well-rounded, um, but you're not. (laughs) And, And therein lies the problem. And what we mean by that is what we deal with, um, on a daily basis with our one-on-one, um, you know, clients, uh, with, with the people that we see in the office. I, just want, it, I want to jump in for one quick second and sorry, interrupt you. Your program might be well-rounded. Yes. We're not, assu- <laughs> we're not assuming that everyone here is on programming where the coach actually has a clue what's going on. Correct. Correct. But it, it might I would be. say more coaches than not. Yes. Do have a clue what's going on. Right. That's all I want. And to say. everybody has good intentions. Yes. Yes. Um, so what we tend to see is people will have certain biases. Um, people will start to overdevelop capacities in certain movement patterns, um, especially people who have um, programmed for themselves for a while or people who have been following the same program for the while. Because programmers, again, if they're not keeping themselves in check, they're going to they're gonna end up using certain movements more often than others. Your capacities will develop more than others. And there is a certain tipping point when, when you start to develop your capacity so well, and for example, in your ability to squat relative maybe to your deadlift that you don't do so well. And then being a part of a balanced program is actually causing your joint pain. 
Um, I know this is kind of hard to follow. I feel like I'm not doing a good job with it. No, you're doing but. a good job. It's, <laughs> to, to, to summarize that up real quick, it's if you're somebody, for example, who can squat 400 pounds and can deadlift 385 and your program has equal amounts of squatting and deadlifting in it, you are going to run into back pain because you need more deadlifting. Yep. Well, you and need to improve your capacity. Correct. And, and, and you don't necessarily just need deadlifting for deadlifting's sake. You need deadlifting because you need deadlifting specifically to improve it, mm-hmm. which might actually not be deadlifting on its own, which, which is where things get complicated. Right. Do they need to be one-arm deadlifts? Do they need right. to be one-leg deadlifts? Right. We don't know until we test and find out. Right. Well, what does Hendrix think? Hendrix, what do you think? <laughs> right on cue. Perfect. We do have, there's a fourth in the studio today, and that is Dr. Jeremy's son, Hendrix. So if you hear him, that's what's up. So go on. So, so basically, um, you know, for, for people like that, you know, you need something to balance to, to offset that program. Right. Um, Because a lot of people are familiar with, you know, attacking your goat, attacking your low hanging fruit. Um, And people tend to be a little bit more um, aware of that when it comes to maybe their energy systems or their gymnastics relative to their weightlifting. But where we start to look at it is, is, you know, your weightlifting, really, really your ability to, to produce force across a broad range of movements and starting to find where your lowest hanging fruit is there. Uh, because what we find is that is very, very uh, relevant for the joint pain that you're experiencing. That makes sense. Yeah, and when you say weightlifting, you're not talking about Olympic weightlifting. No, I'm talking about lifting dumbbells, farmer's handles, barbells, yokes. Capacity to produce force in various directions. Yes. 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 So, so basically, what happens to people? And can you explain further? And, And Mike, you can feel free to chime in as well. What What happens to somebody who, for example, has a 500 pound deadlift and a 250 pound squat, just making a crazy example, right? Because we tell people your back squat should be about 80% of your deadlift for one rep max and your five rep max should be about 80% of your five rep max and your 10 of your 10 and your 15 of your 15 and your 20 of your 20. Right. Um, And that your 20 should be about 50% of your one. But so what is going to happen to the person who has a disproportionate strength in hinging for example, like a deadlift mm-hmm. to squatting. Okay. Like what, what are they going to look like when they, when they squat? Right. So when you, at, through your coach's eyes, um, you know, you even try and think about somebody who like this. So like that guy who's, he's always there for heavy deadlift day, but like maybe like for like high volume thrusters, he's not there. <laughs> um, think about that guy or girl. Well, and he might not be there because thrusters hurt him and deadlifts don't. Right. You know, so it might be a pain thing. It might be a uh, ego ego thing. Um, So you can think about that person and that person when they start to struggle, right, when they're when they're really the rubbers really meeting the road in a set of squats, you know, so whether it's, you know, low weight or sorry, low weight, high reps or, you know, heavyweight, low reps, but when they're really testing their limits, they're going to look like they're deadlifting their squat. 
right? So, it, you know, that, that chest is going to fall forward. Those coming out of the bottom, the chest is going to drop down. The knees are going to shoot back. And if you took a picture of that and somehow used um, Photoshop to change where the barbell is, they're actually going to be looking like they're deadlifting. I never thought about that. Right? <laughs> That'd Photoshop. be fun. We should get clear on that. Yes. Idiots. Um, <laughs> now, now, okay, like you, everybody's seen that before and you're like, yeah, so what? Big deal. Well, the ramifications are that in a balanced program, you know, that, that maybe is, you know, pushing, you know, they're, they're alternating squatting and deadlifting or, you know, it's in proportion. But that athlete, if they're really pushing their limits on the squat days, they're actually hinging. They're not getting a squat stimulus. So not only are they continually getting a deadlift stimulus, all of their deadlift soft tissues are being stressed day in and day out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll catch yeah, it you up for you. Pick, pick me so, up here. So the idea of that is right. If you're, if when you squat, the thing that is most sore the next day is the same thing that is most sore when you deadlift. That's an easy way to know that one yeah. of those is probably a problem. It could be the squat. It could be the deadlift. It depends on where the real strength is, right? But if, if, if you find yourself doing good mornings with a back squat and the next day you wake up and you're like, my low back and my hamstrings are so sore from those squats, you have a problem. You're hinging your back squat. Um, and, and what happens now is someone writes a really good program and the program has you squatting on Monday, deadlifting on Tuesday, running on Wednesday, cleaning or snatching on Thursday rowing on Friday, for example. And instead of those being squat, hinge, squat, hinge, hinge, I don't remember what I, I don't remember what I laid out for the week, but instead of them varying squat versus hinge pattern, everything for you becomes a hinge pattern. So it's like you deadlifted all those days. And now even though your coach had the best intentions and they wrote it for you in such a way that you would get rest from hinge pattern muscle development, you don't because you hinge your squat, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at with that. Yeah. I, I mean, it goes along the lines of, you know, general adaptation syndrome or Yakolev's model, whatever you want to call it, um, where after you have a bout of exercise, there's this refractory period where the capacity, your capacity is decreased. And that happens at the structural level with your tissues. So, yeah, being able to, you know, when you deadlift, you're stressing all of those deadlift tissues. And there's a period where you Speaking need to deadlift. Hendrickson over there ripping singles <laughs> off the floor with his wad toy. And he, he, he loves the down, he loves the down portion better than the up slamming bars. <laughs> um, so when you're, when you're constantly, when, you know, when you think when you deadlift, you've strained all of your deadlift soft tissues, right? You don't need to be, Oh, this, that, the other muscle that your deadlift muscles got strained. Right. And so now if you squat the next day in a true squat pattern, those deadlift tissues, yeah, there's maybe some overlap, but they're not going to be as taxed. So they're not going to dig a further hole and even even lower in capacity the day after. There's going to be a chance for it to heal. Um, and then, so from there, those deadlift muscle, musculature and soft tissues have healed a little bit, right? So now maybe they're ready for, for another, you know, a hinge bout. Um, without having to suffer any more increased pain or irritation, right? That That's basically what we're getting at. The person who is constantly hinging, no matter whether it's a, you know, a squat or a hinge pattern, that they're going to blow up because those tissues are constantly being strained and they're never getting a chance to recover. And the, the, the other side of the 
example here is the person who wants to get better at pull-ups, wants to get better at muscle-ups. So they spend all of their time doing pull-ups and muscle-ups. Mm-hmm. And now they develop a really, really good strength pattern and downward rotation of the shoulder blade, especially in a pull. Mm-hmm. And in contrast, they cannot upwardly rotate the shoulder blade very well. Right? I mean, right. in CrossFit, it's like, okay, well, yeah, your pull-ups aren't that good as compared to the other 20 fire breathers in your class. Right. But, you know, you're, you're, you're 45 years old. You work in, in a desk job. Mm-hmm. Look around your office and ask yourself how many people in your office can do what you do. Right. And, that, and that's, that's anatomy and physiology. It's not a vacuum of a population. Right. Well, and, and almost, I guess, uh, to another example of that in a different light is when we have CrossFit Games athletes go through our strength testing and their strict pull-ups are astronomical, but their one-arm high pulls get blown out by, you know, with, like, sounds bad, but, you know, 40-year-old women that have been working with us one-on-one that are not Games athletes. Like, they're moms and they have no delusion of going to the CrossFit Games and they have more capacity in certain movements than CrossFit Games males. Like, and, and that's what it comes down to. It's, it's what do you need to do rel- relative to your sport um, and relative to life? Right. So, so we've had examples of, and I was even talking to our friend um, Tyler today, Tyler McBride, mm-hmm. who right now is writing some programming for, for Lindy while she gets ready for her game season again, which is going to ramp back up in January. Right. And one of the things we want to do is, is get her better at muscle ups, her technique, her strength just across the board. And we were going over what her program should look like. And it wasn't nearly as much downward pulling as somebody would think because she's already much better at that than she is at upward pulling. So what we concluded basically was that if, if she gets healthier shoulders, generally healthier shoulders, she's going to have better muscle-ups and pull-ups. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, our, our best example of that is April Lowe. Yeah. Who, she, you know, Masters Games athlete, uh, 40 to 44 women, two years in a row. Um, and, ha, you know, you look back historically at Opens, Regionals, Games, the things that was limiting her the most was pull-ups and muscle-ups. So naturally, she was doing a lot of pull-ups and muscle-ups when we first met. Um but when we tested her relative to other other strengths, that was that was what she was best at producing force. So, uh, but what we found was when she was doing all those pull ups and all this other stuff, her shoulders were in immense pain. So she actually couldn't train them as much as she wanted to because she was in so much pain. Now we we cut down to brass tacks and figured out the. Um, the reason for the pain was her inability to upward rotate, which is essentially her rotator cuff is pretty darn weak. And the force coupling of her scapula moving up was terrible. So every time she was moving her shoulders, she was causing an impingement um, of her supraspinatus tendon. So she took a leap of faith Um, about a month before the open started. I said, you need to stop doing pull-ups. That's actually what's continuing your pain. But now pull-ups didn't hurt her. Right, she had shoulder pain, but pull, but Correct. doing a pull Correct. up. What I'm suggesting Correct. didn't hurt. Yep, um, she had shoulder pain. Doing the pull up didn't hurt, but I was like, "Listen, you're already good enough. Your capacity to do that is fine. Your technique could be a little bit better, but if you really want to get better at it, you need to train more volume, and you can't do that because your shoulders are killing you from from other activities." So, she took it out of her program the month before the open, and we did 
high pulls until the cows came home and one arm presses until the cows came home and just slowly built capacity to that through that. Um, and by the time the master's qualifier came where she had to do muscle ups, she was doing muscle ups pain free and doing more unbroken muscle ups than she's ever done in her life. Was that th- a two month span? Um, so a month before the open through the open into the match. So three to four months. Okay. Um, all, all together. I mean, we introduced pull-ups before that point and muscle-ups before that point. Right. But, um, yeah, it was about probably two months without pull-ups. Luckily, it was smaller sets in the open that year. She was able to get through it. But that was the overhead um, squat, chest to bar. Yep. Um, and she. Oh, and then she's just tenacious as could be. Right. You know, she 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 showed up for the rest of that the the open and the and the masters qualifier. Um, but it got to the point where when I was excited to see her at the games, I'm like, yes, I can get some hands-on work. And then when I saw her at the game, she's like, yeah, I don't really need any. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, because so keep in mind, April Lowe is not in our office. April Lowe is in Florida. We're in New York. Um, and so, yeah, she was getting hands-on work by some very, uh, you know, well-trained practitioners down there, um, but in conjunction with the strength. And now, you know, she graduated off, you know, one-on-one programming. We put her on bulletproof shoulders, and now I just consult with her every once in a while and make sure everything's good. And if you follow her on Instagram, she's banging out deficit handstand push-ups, beautiful muscle-ups, bar muscle-ups, you name it. And it was all because she took the time to get stronger in an area that we found that she was weak. Normalized her mechanics. I think that something needs to be sped also for the the open-mindedness of her coach. Absolutely. Who, who at the same time, was putting a team out that did phenomenal at their regional and went to the CrossFit Games. Yes. You know, and, and was putting out other individual athletes who... Who, who he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. But when it comes to managing the joint health, it's it's our sweet spot right. and not his. His job is to make sure people can perform. So he recognized our role in making sure that we provided an environment for his athlete where he could now do everything he needed to do. And, and, and that was the value. So coaches can learn from this because they have an opportunity in their hands. Right, a coach has the opportunity to to make smarter decisions. <laughs> Smashing bars. That's Hendrix on the one rep max deadlift. Uh, don't yeah. worry, super clear. So, it's not one of your pulls. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think we talked about giving people some stuff to to write down and to walk away with. Um, and for all you guys who program out there, um, eventually we're going to put our, how we, how we audit programming, um, up on our coaches program. It's going to be a, you know, a nice little PDF that you guys will be able to, uh, just not PDF, uh, Excel that you guys will be able to put your info into and it'll spit out some, some very good data for you. Um, it's very similar to the CrossFit level too, but we break it down by movement category. So here we do it every two weeks where, um, our head coach goes in and he tallies up how many hinge patterns did we go through? What relative intensity? How many squat patterns did we go through? What relative intensity? And he's able to count all of this stuff up at the end of the week or at the end of two weeks. And then at the end of the two weeks, it slaps you in the face. Like, wow, we have done no strict pressing in the last two weeks. All right. And maybe that's by design and that's fine. Um, or you can be like, wow, we did three times as many squat patterns as hinges. Right. And, and so it, it'll just give you feedback on your tendencies. Right. Because we do, you know, tend to squat a lot more in CrossFit. We tend to pull 
down a lot more in CrossFit because that's what we tend to see at the the games and the regional levels, and you know that has that does have an effect on how we program things. I'm not immune to it either. Um, but this is a way to just kind of check ourselves. But so you guys can do that now. Just sit down with a piece of paper, hinge, squat, press, pull, carry, flexion, extension, which will be of the spine. So like burpees, toes to bar. Um, Muscle ups would be be that too. Pull ups where your your spine is flexion. Yep, rounded anything rounded back. So sandbag would be in there too. And then monostructural. And literally write down how many cycles you go through. If it was an AMRAP, you know, figure out what your what your goal was for that AMRAP. You know, everybody when they design a a program should say, okay, you know, our best athlete should do that in about this time, or do you know this many rounds of that AMRAP. Um, you can even look at your whiteboards and, and, and find an average in there. And then you'll get an idea as to ha- like what movement patterns the people in your gym are doing the most. Um, I think that'll provide you guys with some valuable feedback. Also throw in there unilateral versus bilateral, right? That's what we have on ours. So it's all those things. And then is it unilateral or bilateral? Well, so now a coach does this. Uh-huh. They make this checklist and they say, okay, we've done this many hinges, this many squats, this mm-hmm. many, all of it. Right. What should they be? Well, again, we, we like to see a one-to-one, right, with hinging and squatting. Mm-hmm. We like to see a one-to-one with pressing and pulling with the upper body. Um, we like to see carrying and a one-to-one with... Uh, pressing and pulling. With pressing and pulling. And now the next question is... And was it three to two three, squatting? So we like to see three three hinge and squat to every two push and pull. And carry. To, and carry to every one kind of spinal flexion. Mm-hmm. or ground to shoulder, ground to overhead kind of lift. Yep. Now, the other question that I have is, um, what about pushing up and pushing down? Pulling up and pulling down. Right. And again, that that is on our checklist. Right. Um, again, a very something very important to understand. So, right. So, we talk about pressing up, pressing down, pulling up, pulling down. So, it's not only are you, you know, a, a press is moving something away from your body, right? Or moving your body away from something. Um, a pull is, you know, pulling an object towards your shoulder, right? Or pulling yourself up towards something. Um, but we also need to think about what's happening at the scapula, right? So you guys can understand that a, a pull up is a pull with downward rotation of the scapula, right? You're pulling your body closer to a bar, so it's a pull, and your scapula is downwardly rotating. Versus an upright row, you're pulling an object closer to your shoulders, but your scapula is upwardly rotating. Conversely, when we look at pressing, right, press up, right, would be a strict press, right? Press down would be a dip, right? So thinking about where the object is going or your body is going and what's happening at the scapula. Um, This is where we tend to see the rubber really meet the road with a lot of athletes where they've way overdeveloped their ability to downwardly rotate their scapula. So their dips and their pull-ups, their capacity in those is way better than their ability to press up and pull up. And that's where we see a lot of people with um, impingements and whether it's supraspinatus or bicep impingement at the shoulder. So do you think it's... Wrong way to start that. We're not suggesting that coaches program upward rotation as much as downward. Correct. Because it is a more invasive movement to go overhead mm-hmm. in, in, in a healthy person. Right. Um, but there needs to be some semblance of at least recognition they need to do it. Absolutely. So, you know, something like two to one, three to one, would you say that that's a safe amount for them to press down, pull down versus press up, pull up? I mean, at this point, I don't know how often people are 
pressing and pulling up, so just starting to do it right, is true. not a bad idea. Um, I know uh, we've seen our shoulder injury rates drop way down, um, introducing high pulls um, and one-arm presses once a week. And carries. And, oh, lots of carries now. Right. <laughs> That's happening probably two to three times a week now. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I walked into the office the other day, and there was a wave of people from the 8.30 a.m. class walking around the corner with kettlebells over their head. Yep. Looked like a march. <laughs> <laughs> really freaking traffic out. Yeah, but but so but so really though, you know, practical advice. This is this is the this is the tactical information that coaches should be paying attention to. Number one, write a good program. Number two, audit said good program. Because you have the best intentions, but you have biases. And that's okay. So after you've written a good program, sit down and audit it. How many times did you squat? How many times did you hinge? How many times did you push? How many times did you pull? How many times did you go ground to shoulder, ground to overhead? How many times did you flex and extend the spine? How many times are you lifting monostructurally, removing monostructurally, I should say? You know, we, like I said, we like to see three to three on the hinge and the squat, to two on the push to pull the carry, to one on the ground to shoulder, ground to overhead, flexion extension, Monostructural, you can sprinkle in anywhere from one to three with all those other ones. It's not that big of a, it's not as invasive of a movement. And guess what? If you're off on a two-week period, make up for it in the next two-week period. Not not a big deal. Right. You don't need to drive yourself crazy. Just, that's the thing. Just by paying attention to this, you will get better. 100%. The fact that you're even, that you're, you're listening to this right now, you're going to get better. Um, and... You know, also being, uh, you know, acutely aware of, you know, being able to monitor this and also monitor the, you know, the kind of the irritation that that your your group is feeling. Right. I know when I was programmed for our gym, it's like, ooh, we have like eight people in the last three weeks started complaining about shoulder pain. Well, uh, and, we and should I, probably change something. And we, ha- and we have a <laughs> we have a, we have a good example of how Sean Cleary, who does great media stuff, but also happens to be a pretty good CrossFit coach. Right. I mean, he was running class the other day. And he started the class by saying, all right, everybody, we're, gonna, we're snatching today. So we're going to see how many of you guys can touch the floor without pain. And essentially, when people could not touch the floor, could not touch the floor without pain, he said, okay, you guys are going to be going from the hang today. Everybody else, you're pulling from the ground. So it's, it's the kind of thing where as a coach, you don't need to make these 360 or 180 degree changes in your gym to be more effective for your athletes and to, and to be more cognizant of the joint health of your athletes. It's one degree changes over and over and over again that allow people to get better. And we had someone write us a message the other day. There was based there on our coach program. It was, I want to say CrossFit East 10. Mm-hmm. I think that was the name of the gym. Yep. And let me see if I can find the message, actually. I want to find it, and I actually want to read it specifically. But the, the, the gist of it was that they were basically saying, we are better because of the way that we've changed our programming based on what you recommended that we do. And in doing so, people are finding us, and we're able to differentiate. So I have it here. Um, basically they sent us a, they, they made a post, they reposted us and they talked about it. And I told them, I appreciated them making that post. Like we appreciate when people oh, yeah. recognize us and you know, it's nice. It's nice when people do what we're asking them to do and get the results they want and then send people back to the mothership, if you will. Yeah. So they said, you have no clue how much value you add. We have implemented assessments and exercise principles from your workshop that has separated us from a regular CrossFit box. The feedback from our drop-ins is the biggest sign. 
Most have never heard of the exercises we implement in warmups or cooldowns. They walk away now raving about our gym. No, it's no. not about fancy exercises. Right. Like there are gyms that do not carry. Right. Period. There is no such thing as a farmer's carry in their gym. There is no such thing as an overhead carry in their gym. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as an upright row in their gym. It's bad for your shoulders. Don't get me started. <laughs> but so, you know, it's it's this is something that you can do in your business, whether you're paying for our coach program or not, right? You can do this and have an impact, not just on the members who are currently in your gym, but on the people who might be one day because they might come because you're able to differentiate yourself because the biggest thing that they're afraid of is getting hurt in a CrossFit gym and they've heard that's not going to happen in yours. Like to me, that's, that's a big deal. That's how you take the information that you're getting right here and you turn it into money for yourself and growth for your community. And it's how you galvanize a group of people who who believe in something similar to you. Right? I mean, to me, that's what this is all about. Yeah. I mean, we, we actually had another like quick story. I'm going to try and make it quick. Um, I have a member at our gym here who um, he started about two months ago. He's a power lifter. Um, was experiencing lots of knee pain and pec pain. Um, and he was scared to do CrossFit. He's just like, yeah, it just looks too crazy. The, there's just too many repetitions. He's a bigger guy. He's like, yeah, I'm just not swinging from a bar like that. Um, well, he got peer pressured to come in. Um, and two months later, he's been lifting less as a power lifter, just following the program, PR'd all three lifts, um, and he's like, my knee doesn't hurt when to walk down the stairs in the morning. My knee doesn't hurt going in the bottom of my squat. And I'm not, the thing that used to limit my bench press was the pain in my shoulder. And that's not there anymore. You know, and, and to me, I like, I, I found our head coach and just gave him a double high five. I was like, that is you. That doesn't happen in every CrossFit gym because, you know, A, that guy doesn't feel comfortable walking in and B, he might get put through the ringer so hard that his knee does explode and, and actually the, the function of his knee doesn't improve. And then he's never doing CrossFit ever again. Um, and, and to me, that's that's the power of this stuff. It, was, it wasn't an, an overnight switch for for Rob. Um but he's he's taken it in, you know, as a ver- like a, a pretty high level competitive CrossFitter. He's taken it in, um, and and he's worked this stuff not only into his own programming, but in the programming here to the to the benefit of the joint health. And that's at really our, what this is about. At R J Maloney, if you're looking for him, yeah, that's spelled M O L O N E Y. Stud. He's handsome. Yeah, I mean, ladies, he's pretty easy on the eyes. But he's got lie. one too. And dudes. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There he is. He's There's back. Dr. Mike. Back he from the dead, went to treat a patient, and the first comment I make, dudes. dudes. Incredibly valuable. It's, yeah. it, I'm, I'm bringing a ton of value to this bringing podcast. Heat. Bringing the heat. So, so really, there's not there's not any much more. For, I mean, listen, there's a ton more for us to talk about in this. But people always ask these questions, and they're like, "Well, what do I do next? I had I had this outlier problem. I have this outlier problem, and they're real problems, mm-hmm. right? If, if if you have five people in your gym, you have 300 members, and five people have shoulder pain, it's not your program, right? I mean, Jeremy, you said that before we came on, right? It's, well, that's- it, well, it's that's not, a whole other conversation. Right. right. But but that conversation, that is the conversation that we're having on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis in our coach program. Right. That is the, the, the reason why our coach program 
is valuable is because when coaches go into it, they don't just get assessments to learn. They don't just get interventions to do. They get continuing support from our staff, mm-hmm. right? They have the opportunity to come to our workshops. They have the opportunity to be on our private Facebook lives. Yeah. They have the opportunity to ask questions and get an answer from one of us in 24 hours or less. Mm-hmm. The value there is so far beyond just learning how to better program because we're not writing competitive crossfit programming. Right. We're teaching you what do you do when somebody cannot squat deeper, mm-hmm. or at least so they don't seem like they've been able to squat. Do you know deeper. they shouldn't squat deeper? Right. 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 Because the second that you tell somebody you need to get deeper on that movement without knowing exactly why they didn't, mm-hmm. you risk injuring them. Right. And that's what our coach program is meant to help people figure out. Got to know. Always ask. Assess, don't guess, baby. That's it. All right. So, Mike, you were out treating patients while we did this whole podcast. Yes. Slacker. Right? Um, but is there anything you want to add? I know, I know you know what the crux of it was. And basically, we were talking about the idea that, you know, CrossFit programming is always well-intended, but a well-rounded program for someone with a corner in their body needs a corner. Right. Yeah. If you're an imbalanced athlete, you need an imbalanced program. And I think most people are somewhat imbalanced. Right. Agreed. For me personally, right, I don't need to squat or back squat three times a week or, or any sort of squat pattern three times a week. I have a, a solid squat pattern in comparison to the rest of my lifts. I actually need to increase my deadlift. So for me to take a program that's written, a very great program that's written where there's you know, back squats on Monday and front squats on Wednesday and now we're doing full lifts of, of, of the weightlifting movements on a Saturday, it's a beautiful program. Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. right? And I understand that because I have the wherewithal and the knowledge, but there's a lot of people who don't understand that. Why is this making me hurt? Well, the thing about that is, right, if you're an affiliate owner listening to this or a head coach listening to this, it is not sacrilegious to say, hey, Mike, we're squatting today, but you should deadlift or you should good morning. Yeah. That's like that's that's allowed. Right. You're allowed to make decisions for your members on the day that that are beneficial to them. Well, we even talk about how to how to bias your program to allow that you where you walk in and half the people are doing step ups. The other half are doing back squats. You know, half for deadlifting, the other half for squatting. Sure. That, so I mean, that, that, some of them are just crunching cookie boxes in the should, corner. We should find him something louder <laughs> to play with. I don't think we can. I don't think Does we can. Maybe the snare drum. Clearly's going to love it. But so, guys, so so, so to wrap this up, as, a, as an affiliate owner, now you have some tools, right? You have – you need to audit yourself. And that's not because you're not doing a good job. It's because you have biases and you need to find them. And you need to you need to adjust for them. Secondly, you have ratios um, that you want to stick to as far as loading loading patterns go. Lastly, or not lastly, but thirdly, you have members in your gym who should be doing something different than what you programmed that day. Teach them what that is and allow them to do it. That's, that's the point of all of this. If your ego isn't driving the boat, the boat will go in the right direction. And that's it. Yeah, I think the other thing to add too is how do how do how do we know? How do I know if I'm dead hinge dominant or maybe I need single leg work or I need to do more carries? Well, again, I think that you're 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 taking us on a bit of a rabbit hole with that question that's better answered on our coach program. Well, it's, it's answered on the coach program, but if you have a, you know any coach out there that has an athlete on our website, there's an assessment. That's true. Where too. they can they can they can you know 
it'll walk them through, okay, this is how, do this to deadlift. Okay, now take this and squat. Now take this and step up. Now take this and carry. And it'll tell you what, what you need. That's it'll, the basic assessment. That's the very about. basic stuff. Yeah, that's well, not no, even the enhanced assessment. Yeah, the basic, assessment, yeah, the basic assessment. Yep. That's not even the enhanced assessment, which goes way deeper down the rabbit hole. A two weeks um, or if we talk about, you know, the shoulders, you know, how well are you, your high pulls to presses to overhead carries to pull-ups. Um, where pe- people can go find these answers. They're out there. Um, you don't have to come contact us in order to do it. Right. And guys, just because, and gals, just because this is the stuff that we're doing with the top CrossFit athletes in the world does not mean it doesn't apply to everyday athletes. We work with many more everyday athletes than we work with elite ones. You know why? There's more of them. There's a lot more of them. <laughs> a lot more of them. So guys, I hope that you take this information to heart. I hope that if you're an affiliate owner or a coach, you start using it right away. And we would love to hear back from you about how it's going. And if anybody has questions about how to find our coach program, www.performancecarerx.com. Just click coach. The rest is going to be right there for you. Until next time, good talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Active Life Podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecarerx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal.